0: You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com.
1: Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, As you have a seat, if you want to turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that's where we're going to spend some time this morning. Today is going to go a little bit different than maybe it normally would, and I'll explain that here in a bit. Um, it, It is good to see you. And good to be with you. And we say that probably every week. But this morning specifically, it is good to be with you in a unique way. And here's why. If you're a part of CBC, you know that we just finished 14 straight weeks uh, through the book of First John. Uh, And It was incredibly fruitful, hopefully for you. I know it was for me and even in my community group as we were able to kind of take the things that we were hearing of the word being proclaimed on Sunday mornings and bring it into living rooms, out of a room like this and getting into a living room and, and have conversations about what it actually means for our life. I know it was really Fruitful for me, and so I hope uh, that it was that way for you. Uh, Next week, we're gonna start our Advent sermon series. And so if you don't know what that is, don't worry. We'll make sure that you know about that in the days and weeks to come. But really, it's four weeks that lead us up to Christmas. Uh, Christmas can take our attention in a lot of different ways, and we wanna steep ourselves in the story of Scripture that Jesus came Um, that he left heaven and that he became a baby for us so that he could live a life that we couldn't live and die the death that we deserve to die. And we're gonna steep ourselves in that story for four weeks. I'm super excited about that next week. That puts us today in between those two things. Um, And today is a day of celebration. And the reality is we celebrate every single time we gather Um, and we remember, we come into a room like this and we remember that's who Jesus is Um, because it's easy to forget, isn't it? But we come in here and we remember again, oh yeah, That's who he is. That's what he accomplished for me. And the the truth of it is we celebrate every single time we gather. But this morning, we celebrate in a unique way because we are celebrating this morning what is called the ordinances. And so uh, you got really nervous because you're like, wait, I thought I was coming to church. I didn't know we were participating in a ritual, okay? What's this ordinance here? Um, Well, let me explain. The the ordinances, if you're not familiar with that language, uh, quite simply are two ceremonies. There's two of them. Two ceremonies that Jesus institutes or gives to his church as a means of grace, a gift to us, so that we can orient our lives around who he is and what he's done. And so they exist, the ordinance exists to point us to something greater. The ordinance exists to point us to something greater. Here's here's an example to help you understand what I'm talking about. I don't know about how things are going in your home right about now, but uh, my home around this time of year gets really full. I don't mean like there's a lot of people or if that's, that's true too, or you know, we're gonna have the holidays, whatever. I mean cluttered, okay? So the, the year just accumulates, does it not? Things just show up, things start to pile in, and, and I do not like clutter, stresses me out. And so this is the time of the year where we're starting to do the pre-holiday purge. Anyone else? Nobody, okay, perfect. I'm glad that I'm the only one, okay? Especially all the mailers right with the, the political season, all the you know the flyers about the deals and the sales, black Friday, the whole thing, stuff just clutters up right now, so we 're doing the pre holiday purge. part of that is going through all of our children 's clothing and by we are doing the holiday purge. Really what it means is she, my wife, is doing the holiday purge, okay? God bless her. And so we, we are going through all their clothes. She is going through all their clothes. And When you have uh, sizes in three-month increments, it doesn't last very long, right? What if that wasn't for us? You know, 33 in three months, that's the type of pants I wear or something like that. But um, anyways, <laughs> she, that was not in the notes, not in the first two services. You guys came to 11 for a reason, all right? So she's going through all these clothes and getting rid of them, clearing them out. And so, uh, you know, for, for our baby and for my oldest son, my, my baby's a daughter, that means that we're making room for all the new things that they're gonna get, okay? But for my middle son, that means that we're making room for all the old things that his older brother just grew out of, right? So that's the pain of the middle child. Anyone? Nobody, exactly. Um, but anyways, that's just what he's gonna have to deal with. He's probably gonna be in counseling years about it, you know what I mean? But we're gonna, we're gonna be with him in that. Anyways, um, so we moved all of Zeke's old stuff into his room. Um, and I was getting them ready this last week for bed, bath, going to put the jammies on. And the, the, I always grab the I don't care if they match, I grab what's on the top, okay? So this time they didn't match because my wife just moved them there. The ones I grabbed were his, uh, Zeke's Christmas jammies from last year that now he inherited. So he's wearing Christmas jammies and I'm putting them on him and yeah, I can see his wheels start to turn. But it's not just any jammies. These are special, right? I know there's something associated with these. So he looks at me, he goes, Daddy, is it Santa Day? And I was like, No, it's not. But it's awesome to see that you put that together, right? That those jammies weren't just any jammies for him. Those jammies pointed him to something greater, okay? And so the point, the whole reason why I tell you is that's how the ordinances should be for us. That these celebrations, these ceremonies should point us to something greater exists because I know this can be true for you because it's true for me, that we can come into a room like this and it can just be normal. It can just be familiar. And honestly, before we move to far past this, how amazing is it that we are familiar with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? But, not, but, but familiar can be good, but familiar can also be bad. When we get too familiar with these things and, and Jesus gives us the ordinances to remind us of what's true, right? To go, hey, there's something bigger about this that I need to dial into. And so I want you to see this, I know you're in 1 Corinthians 11, but look at Colossians 3, this will be on the screen, you don't have to turn there. Colossians 3, Paul says, if then you've been raised with Christ, and that if then is basically saying, and you have. So if you're a believer in Jesus, if you've been raised with Christ, he says this, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not the things that are on, on, on earth. And so basically what the apostle Paul says here to all believers in Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, he says, seek the things that are above. Basically he says, look up. He says, look up to where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Don't look at the things that are on earth. And he does not say that because he doesn't think that earthly things are important. No, he says that because we cannot rightly relate to earthly things until we first oriented our heart and lives around who God is and what he's done. So we look up and we see Jesus seated at the right hand of God, accomplishing for us what we could never accomplish on our own. And then we can rightly relate to our spouses and our children's and our our children's and our kids and our bosses and our jobs and our friends and our roommates, we look to Jesus and we remember, oh yeah, he deserves my worship, and then we won't extend it to the people around us. So he says, look up, right? Look up. And so Jesus gives his church these two ordinances that we're going to celebrate today, and they are means of grace to help us look up, to help us remember, to, to put our feet on the solid ground and foundation that this is who our God is and this is what he has done For us, He gives us these two uh, ordinances to orient our hearts and mind around who he is. And so oftentimes as a church, uh, we will do one, but not both of these in a a single morning. But today is actually unique because we're gonna do both. And you probably figured it out by now. One of the ordinances is baptism, right? You figured it out because of the jacuzzi tub that we have here. Um, The other one is communion. And so today's gonna be a little bit different than it normally is. I mentioned that up front. Um, Normally we come in here, we sing some songs, some guy talks to you for about 40 minutes, and then we sing some more songs and we go home. Um, But today is going to be a little bit different. There's going to be a little bit of standing up, a little sitting down, two different guys talking in just a moment. Bill's going to come and he's going to teach about baptism. But we want to bring the why in front of us. Why do we do these things? Why do we celebrate communion? Why do we do baptism? We want you to be informed to know that because Jesus gives us these significant things, right? So we're going to do both of those today. Again, we're going to do Baptism in a minute, Bill's gonna talk about that, but I want us to spend just a few moments together considering communion, considering what it is and why we should do it. So if you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians 11, I'm gonna start in verse 23. I gotta pick my Bible up because as most of you know, because many of you have told me, you can always tell when I'm preaching because of the riser that's under the podium, Bill's not tall enough to see over it, so we can't put it there. He's talking later, and so I have to suffer. I'm gonna have to hold my Bible up here. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's three things in there that I want you to see to help us understand the why we do communion, why Jesus gives this to us as an ordinance. The first one is remembering. Remembering, the second one is proclamation or proclaiming, and the last one is union, and we'll talk about those in order briefly. So this is the Apostle Paul, right? He's the one who writes 1 Corinthians, and he's talking about a meal. And he says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed. So he's talking about a meal that Jesus institutes the night he was betrayed. What's that mean? That's Judas, right? Judas betrays him for 30 pieces of silver. This is the night that Jesus is arrested and put on trial wrongly and convicted wrongly for sins that you and I committed that eventually lead to his death on a Roman cross, right? So the night that he was betrayed, Jesus is with his closest followers. And if you read this story in the Gospels, in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, you'll, you'll see a little more details there. So Paul doesn't give us all the details, but the Gospels do. So in Mark, or Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, these stories are given in more details. And what you see is that Jesus is in a room with his closest followers, and he institutes this meal that we call the Lord's Supper, but there's something in the cultural backdrop that we don't typically grab onto. And I want us to see this here. So they weren't just together for any random meal. It wasn't like, happens with us a lot of the time. Hey, I'm hungry, you hungry? Yeah, what do you wanna eat? That's not what was happening here. They had come to Jerusalem for a specific purpose to celebrate what they called the feast of Passover, right? And so every year, for as long as they could remember, they celebrated Passover. They came to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. And the short version of why is that God's people were, remember the book of Exodus, God's people are in Egypt, right? They're slaves in Egypt. They're under the tyrannical rule of a guy named Pharaoh, and they're just oppressed, and it's a horrible lifestyle, and life couldn't possibly get any worse, right? And God raises up a man named Moses, and he delivers them, right? He sends these plagues and Through Moses and these plagues, God delivers his people out from underneath um, this tyrannical oppression, right? So basically, um, we don't have time, but what we see in there is that there is a Passover. That the 10th plague, the angel of death comes, and the people of God are told, really all the people of Egypt are told, that if you put the the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, then the angel of death will pass you over, and that your life will be spared, that you will be rescued and delivered. And this is a celebration for them. Every single year, this feast, they would come to Jerusalem and they would celebrate salvation. Celebrate that God sees us and God has not forgotten us. And he didn't leave the people of God in Israel or leave Israel in Egypt. He rescued them. He delivered them out of it. And again, this may not seem significant to us because we miss that cultural backdrop, but it would have been incredibly significant to Jesus' followers that Jesus would even dare to change the way they think about that meal. That he changed the way they thought about Passover and he takes the bread, what's the Bible saying? He holds it up, he breaks it and he says, this is my body broken for you. And they're like, what? And he takes the cup and he lifts it up and he says, this is my blood shed for you. And again, that's the cultural backdrop when Jesus does this. And so what we said before is the communion is about remembering Which means for us, it's about looking back to what? The cross, but ultimately not stopping there. We look all the way back to the beginning, to God's faithfulness to his people to rescue them out of Egypt and out of slavery uh, in Egypt and his faithfulness to his people of God over and over and over again, ultimately culminating in the cross. Communion is about remembering for us. It's a a meal of salvation, celebrating God's work and tracing the faithfulness of God throughout redemptive history. It's about remembering that God is near to us. Every single time, we go, he's here. Symbolically, in the elements that we're gonna take in just a moment, we remember God is near to us. He has not forgotten us. He has not abandoned us. And he hadn't abandoned the people before us. He will not abandon the people to come. It's about remembering, about looking back, right? Which means that every single time we come to the table, we are reminded that we don't have to perform in order to earn God's love and approval. Every single time we come to the table and we hold the broken body in our hands and the shed blood in our hands, we are convincing ourselves, preaching to ourselves the reality, I don't have to perform to earn God's love and approval because Jesus has performed for me. Because his performance counts on my behalf. We get to rest in that truth every single time. How good is that news this morning, church? That we are in Christ. That I don't have to work my fingers to the bone or work my my hands until they bleed, trying to do enough, to earn enough, to please the people around me or please God, because that work has been done for me, and I hold the evidence in my hands. His body broken for me, his blood shed for me. I am loved and approved by God because of him. And the same thing is true for you. We remember in communion. We look back. There is nothing that you have done or will do that disqualifies you from the love and approval of God because Jesus' blood covers that for us because his body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. It's about remembering. It's also about proclamation. Look at verse 26 if you have your Bible open. So Jesus says, He takes the bread, takes the cup. He says, Do this in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you do what? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Communion is about proclamation. When we come together to the table, we all become preachers in that moment. So oftentimes, you don't feel like you participate in the gathering, but you are participating today. You'll see this clearly. Normally, we come in, listen to Bill Teach, we listen to Gardner or whomever, pain, sing some songs, and then we just kind of listen. We're audiences, but, but that's not the way the gathering was designed to be. We are pr- participants in this as the people of God, and today, we as we take the elements, we all become preachers. You are proclaiming to yourself and proclaiming to the people around you. As you hold the elements, I don't have to be good enough. Jesus was good enough for me. We preach the gospel, we proclaim the gospel, every single one of us to ourselves and to the people around us because communion is about proclaiming. It's about proclamation. It's a grace of God to undeserving people. So communion is about remembering, about looking back. It's about proclamation, about looking forward to what's true about us because what does he say here? We proclaim the Lord's death until what? Until he comes. Who's coming? Jesus. And so we are convinced through communion, through the the broken body and shed blood of Jesus that that the gospel is true. And we're convinced that God's promises are true because if he kept the promise to send a savior, of course he's gonna keep the promise to send him back to us. And Revelation talks about that day, the day where there'll be no more sin and no more shame and no more pain, no more guilt. It actually says, the Bible says that God himself will wipe away every tear from your eye. Now that day's coming. And so communion puts our feet firmly in this reality between these two advents that Jesus has come and yet we have this promise that he's coming again and it orients our life. We look up, we see him, we look back, we remember, we look ahead at what he's promised that he will do. It's about remembering and proclamation and it's about union. Union, so when you, of course that's in the word, right? Creative, communion, you picked union there. But when we, when we hear union, we think about we are united to God, and it is about that. That's what we remember. We've been united to God through the cross, through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. That's what we proclaim, that we've been united to God, but it's not just about being united to God. Ephesians 2 says that the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, that torn down. The wall that our sin created between us and God, and the reality is we've been reconciled to God, but if we're reconciled to God, then we're also reconciled to one another. And we're brought into this thing together. And so communion is about union with one another. So we look back and we look ahead and then we look around. Just like we did earlier in the gathering. Maybe it felt a little bit awkward for you, but I love that. We look around and we go, man, we're in this together. Communion is a reminder that you're not alone. That not only has God put your feet, that pulled you up out of the muck and the mire, right? He set your feet on the rock. Not only has he done that, he surrounded you with people to help you follow Jesus, that we are united to God and we are united to one another, which means that communion is not just, when we take this meal, it's not just a bunch of random men and women in a room doing the same thing together. It is a group of brothers and sisters coming to the table of their father. We remember, we look back, we proclaim, we look ahead, we look around to one another, And so we're gonna take this meal together. And I want us to read 1 Corinthians 11. So if you have these, you can go ahead and grab them. Do your best to resist the temptation of uh, of fidgeting, but you may wanna go ahead and start trying to, because sometimes it can get a little sticky on you. Um, There's some people coming around if you need one. But we're gonna remember this together. We're gonna proclaim the good news of the gospel to ourselves and to one another, and we are going to be united together as brothers and sisters so let's, let's take it together. I'm gonna read 1 Corinthians 11. Hold off on it if you have it, if you. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord, he says, what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. There's actually something interesting. That word, given thanks, that's the word we get our word, Eucharist, from. So if you've heard this, called the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper communion, that's thankfulness. So we, we, in a posture of thankfulness and gratitude for who our God is and what he's accomplished for us, after the Lord Jesus gave thanks, he breaks the bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. And so when we do this, we are remembering together, we don't have to perform, we don't have to pretend, Jesus performance counts on our behalf. We are loved and approved of by God. Let's remember that together, church. Verse 25 says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and I'm sure that he peeled back the top like this, the Lord Jesus, (laughs) the night he was betrayed. He peeled it back and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, It's the cup of the what? The new covenant. Because the old covenant is gone. The old covenant of do this, don't do this, thou shalt, thou shalt not is gone because Jesus replaced that with his blood and now we belong because of Christ. Let's remember and proclaim that together today, church. He says, for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we proclaim today that we belong because of Jesus. Would you stand with me? Let me pray for us and we're gonna sing and respond to this good news together. Father, thank you for the reminder to bring what a lot of times for us is just a a response to a sermon and put it front and center in our gathering. To remember The broken body and shed blood counts for us. So as we sing, God, I pray that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Believe these words like we never have before. We pray in Christ's name, amen.
0: You guys can have a seat. Uh, What a uh, good day to celebrate, told the earlier services, and just a reminder for us that uh, we as God's people are actually commanded to celebrate. The Old Testament, uh, Israel was commanded to celebrate and we don't often associate uh, celebration in Christianity, celebration in even church, but yet ours is a celebrating God. He commands it and we do it. And so good reminders for us that we're not just gonna be for all eternity kind of sitting in heaven, you know, taking notes. Oh good, Jesus is preaching Colossians again. That's yeah, great, you know, I mean, no, it's gonna be a time of celebration uh, and rejoicing. And so we have a, just a small piece of that this morning. Uh, and it's, I think it's important for us to remember or know why we do what we do. If you're a guest with us this morning, and, and maybe you know, you're invited because someone is getting baptized, or maybe you've just been in the church for all these years, and you really, you've been through the motions and all these things, but you don't know why we do things. And I think the why matters for us, because there's a lot of things in church, just like in life. That we just do it and we don't, we're like, why don't I do that? I don't even know. Right? I mean, if you think about that, I mean, think about it. You, you, you this afternoon, you're gonna go to the, you know, Walmart or wherever, and you leave your car and you'll hit the little button like I did yesterday, the lock button, and it goes beep beep. And you're like, and what do you do? You hit it again just to make sure, don't you? You're like, beep beep. And then you do it one more time because three times the charm, and I gotta make sure it's triple locked. Why? I don't know. We just do it. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Or, You go to the grocery store, and maybe this is, I think this is a more male thing. You go to the grocery store, uh, and you, you go in, and maybe you come out, and you didn't get anything. And then, I don't know about you, but is there ever, like, you feel like, just act normal, because you think, so they don't think you stole something, because no one goes to the grocery, so wait, are wait, are you a habitual stealer from grocery stores? No, but I just, I didn't have the ice cream my wife wanted, and so I walk out, I'm like, just act normal, say hello. Oh, I didn't get anything, I have to explain it to the lady at the end, like, I didn't steal, nothing in the pockets, no Snickers bar, right? Or if you do get something, you know, you spent 45 minutes in the grocery, and you got all these groceries in the back of the car, for some reason, men, we feel like, We have to make one trip from the car to the kitchen because everything else is a failure. And so there we go. We got all 65 bags and we're walking and then we get to the door. We're like, how am I gonna do this? I can't can't even get in the house. So you stand outside, you're yelling, you're kicking the door, right? Why do we do that? I don't know. All right, that's just something we do. Why do we baptize? Why do we remember the table? It's important for us to know and not just do things. And so we wanna be reminded like Clint said, with the table and, and with baptism. Jesus only gave us two instances to remember these two things because we forget and they're tangible reminders. And so when you drank that juice, it, it, was a, it popped in your mouth, whether it was sour, whether it was sweet, whether it was old, whether it was you know, already turned to a, you know, a red wine, whatever. It, it, it reminded you and it was a tangible reminder because we need to be reminded because God knows we forget. And Peter says, hey, To remind you again is no trouble at all, right? That's why we got four gospels that for three of them tell pretty much the same stories over and over because we need to be reminded, right? And so the table reminds us and baptism reminds us. And remember, these are symbols. They are symbols. They they are tangible symbols that point to an invisible grace. Uh, Because we need to be reminded. The symbol represents something. It points to the reality of something. It is not the thing. It points to the thing. And so I wear this ring. And it says, class of 1996. It says the citadel. This is a symbol of the school I went to. Whether I wear it or not, I still went there. But this says he actually graduated. Yes, he was a PE major, so it doesn't really count. But he did get through. It is a symbol of something. This is not the degree, but it's a symbol. Some of you have the degree on the wall. Dr. So-and-so, associate so-and-so. It points to the reality. Some of you have a little trophy from eighth grade. He participated on this team. Didn't play, but he was on it. Now, we back in the 80s only got all-star trophies, so I have those. You have your participation trophies. I'll take my all-star trophies, whatever. But it points to a reality that you did something. Back tips on the table points it to a reality. It is a symbol of something. And, and, I, and I want us to remember that. We, we, uh, our, our folks that are getting baptized are wearing these shirts that say, I'm in. You say, what is that about? That's really what I kind of want to remind us of this morning. Three things, and we have these I'm in t-shirts. There's three things we want you to know. What am I in uh, as I get baptized? in this symbol. Remember, this is just water. It is Believe it or not, I didn't bless it. Clint didn't bless it. We didn't pray over it all night long. We didn't, you know, lay hands on it, stir it up. It is, it's already two services in. I can see the film on top of it, right? Okay. So these people in this service, you're like, I got nastiness. No, it's fine. It's just water. Savannah tap water. Normal city water. With this, I actually, I searched it this week, just so you know what's in it. So it's nothing spiritual. It's got lead in it, 2.0 PPBs. Just so you know, that's what you're drinking. Just so you know. I don't know what a PPB is, but it's probably, it sounds pretty bad. It's not peanut butter and jelly. I can tell you that. Okay. It's got copper in it. A little copper. Uh, It does have chlorine, 2.2 ppms. And it does have uh, fluoride for your teeth. So you can go drink that if you wanted your teeth to be healthy. uh, 1.4 ppms. That's what's in that water, according to the last year's water tests for Savannah. Nothing magical, that does not wash away sins. That does. It is a symbol that these folks are coming forward this morning and saying, uh, I have put my faith in Christ. I have repented of my sin. He is my God. And, and it's going to picture th- three things that they're in, right? Number one, they're in Christ. And Clint dealt with this. We've been talking about this in 1 John for 14, 15 weeks. That when we are in Christ, we are a new creation, Okay, so before Christ, before God had opened my eyes to the gospel, I was alienated from God. The wages of sin has set me towards death. But now, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I was dead, now I'm alive. I was alienated from God, now I am a child of God. I had no hope and no future, now I have all hope and all future. Why? Because I am in Christ. I am united to Christ to the Lord, in God. This phrase in Christ is used 160 plus times in the New Testament. That united with Christ, that I am actually in him. And so Romans six, talking about spiritual baptism when the spirit comes on us, but it's a picture of, of water baptism. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death. That's why uh, when they go down into the water and it's pictures Jesus going down into the grave, dead and buried but we don't stay there right we don't we don't leave them there say how long can you hold your breath can you beat you know tom cruise in mission impossible right 3 minutes get it no we bring them out why because the pictures being raised from the dead by the glory of the father that we will walk in what newness of life i am in christ and if anyone is in christ he is a new creation So that's what amen means. I am in him. What is true of the son will happen to the son will happen to me. Why? Because I'm in him and I am inseparable. And because I'm inseparable, what can separate me from the love of God? Nothing. That's the first amen. The second amen is I'm in the water, which is kind of obvious, but maybe not. Right? For us, we do what is called credo or believer's Baptism. All right. And in, in, in Christendom, in Orthodox Christianity, there are those things, and we talk about this a lot at our, our church, uh, that are close-handed, that there is no compromise. The deity of Jesus, the virgin birth, salvation by grace through faith, the bodily resurrection, the physical return of Christ, the inspiration of every word in the scriptures. Those things are they're essential. You, you do not uh, say, ah, it doesn't really matter. And then there's some things that we have positions on, but they're open-handed. You can be a uh, Christian and hold to this position or this position, right? Uh, eschatology or uh, soteriology or different forms of church government or you know, things like that. Those are open-handed. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have positions. Those don't divide us, but they do make distinctions within orthodoxy. So you have the Presbyterians over here, and the Anglicans over here, and the Baptists over here, and then kind of us, the non denominationals over here, and there's some overlap, but there's a distinction, but not disunity. And what we do here is believer's baptism. We do immersion, right? Uh, so, and there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, the word baptizo is the Greek word for baptize, means to immerse or dip, so that seems, based on the entomology of the word, a good model. Secondly, this is what you see in the Gospels and in the book of Acts every time. Jesus went down into the water, it says. Then Jesus came out of the water, it says. John the Baptist, it said, was baptizing in this place. Why? Because there was plenty of water there. If he just needed a little cup and a little sprinkler, boop, he could have done it anywhere. A little spray bottle. Okay, good, right? Or for his was the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. Philip, this guy, this Ethiopian is reading Isaiah, doesn't understand it. He says, hey, this is talking about Jesus of Nazareth, died on the cross, rose again. The guy says, what keeps me from being baptized? Nothing. They go down into the water. So that's, that's the model we see, practice, and so that's what we have done. Also, we do a post-conversion, uh, which means we, we, a person believes, responds to the gospel, and then we baptize. Why we do it that way? Because it seems like that's the, the order from the, even from the Great Commission, where Jesus says, Go make disciples. The command there is to make disciples. How? We go, we teach them to observe all they commanded you, and we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. It's part of the disciple making process. A disciple is a follower, so we baptize followers. Different churches have different positions on this. It's okay. When we all get to heaven, we'll all say, Fowler was right, okay? And so, I mean, but it won't, won't matter then, but we just are trying to be as true to the scripture uh, as, as possible. And you can, we can talk deeper about this of why different traditions do it differently. This is what we see. This is why we do it. But that's what we're, they're in the water. They're in Christ, right? And we think immersion, best pictures, united you know, with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And then one more thing, we're in the church, the local church, for thousands of years, the entry point into the local church was baptism. Early church, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. Boom, he believes, they get baptized. Three thousand people hear Peter preach, they repent and believe in, in, in uh, the gospel. Boom, they baptize that many souls. It's it's a response and an entry point into the local church, and it was important in the early church, especially to do it like immediately, because it immediately meant you were you were breaking with the old. And, and now I'm following Jesus, which means you might be leaving your dad and mom behind because they are good Jews from the tribe of Issachar and they will never leave Judaism. And you're saying, I'm going to worship this guy as my Messiah. And they're like, then you're out of the family. And if you were going to prove it and make it real, you're going to identify with the people of God through baptism. It was big. In fact, in the early church, if you said, I believe in Jesus, but I don't think I'm going to be baptized. They would say, no, you don't believe because you're not willing to take up your cross and follow it. It's not that it saves you, but it, it's a way that you stand before the people of God and say, I'm in, I'm in Christ, I'm getting into water and I'm, in, uh, I'm on team Jesus now and I'm gonna run with you on, with this local congregation and we're gonna go follow Christ together. So it doesn't save you, it doesn't make you a Christian, but it is, doesn't mean it's not significant because Jesus commands us to do it. And for you to say, oh, I'm not gonna do it, is is to say, well, that command's not for me. And and so that's something to wrestle with for some of us they are like, eh, yeah, I can follow Jesus and do what I want. Well, my sheep hear my voice to listen to me. So it's just a significant piece of our uh, discipleship process. And for us as a church, it you get this you get the privilege of standing before how many people, whether online or in this room today, and say, I'm in and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we celebrate. That's why it's big. All right, these people that have come this morning, we've baptized you know, a bunch of uh, teenagers, a bunch of younger folks, uh, uh, some middle-aged, some older. And there's the prayers of parents and the prayers of brothers and sisters and the prayers of aunts and uncles. Man, this is years of prayer culminating in a day where these folks are coming forward and saying, I'm not ashamed. I mean, it is a great day for those especially who have been like, man, I've been praying for this, this guy for 16 years. I've been praying for my kid that this would be just something that they take a stance for. It's, it's, that's why we celebrate. I'm in Christ, I'm in the water, and I'm in the church, the local church, which is the bride of Jesus, which he's passionate about. So let me pray, and then you guys can celebrate and scream. Don't throw anything, but uh, somebody, some, so you're gonna hear briefly just a few snippets of, of some of these folks and where they're at. You're also gonna get to hear the story of one of them. Uh, just a... Hear what God has been doing and how He moved in a way that draws men to Himself, and then we'll we'll celebrate. So you guys can stand. I'm going to pray. Uh, we'll we'll. Oh wait, no, no, we're not standing now. Are we? Are we singing now? No, we're not. You guys are just. You jumped the gun on me. I don't know what you're doing. I mean, three services. I'm all messed up. All right, let me pray. You guys stay seated, and then we'll go. Father, I thank you that we can rejoice with those who rejoice. That we can celebrate that Your Spirit draws men and women, boys and girls, to Yourself. Uh, that you are redeeming, rescuing, and making all things new. And so we are grateful for that. Uh, Thank you for, even though there's COVID, even though there's shutdowns, even though there's frustrations, even though there's 2020, that you are not asleep, that you are on the move. And we, uh, we trust that and love that. We pray you continue to do that in Jesus' name, amen.